as we consider invitations that come from the Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 26, I'll get there ultimately here in my own Bible, it says there, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And that's where we'll pause for the moment. We'll bow our heads once again and ask the Lord to bless our considerations tonight. Heavenly Father, we're thankful once again, Father, for this time that we have together. Lord, it's not ever too much to consider your word. Father, we cannot consider your word too much. We cannot give you the glory too much. We cannot praise you or worship you too much. I praise you, Lord, that you do not love us too much. Lord, you've opened that door to us, Father, that we might have this relationship with you. Help us to return whatever love we possibly can to you uh, as we thank you and we're grateful for all the provision you make for us. Help us in your word tonight, Father. Steer us in the direction you would have us. Empower us to walk that walk. And help us to find the joy that is found every step of the way. We give you the glory this evening. Bless us, I pray and ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, as we just read here, uh, it goes right along with this memorial that we partake in the first Sunday of every month. As we recall and reconsider well, a number of different times, oftentimes we preach out of this, we consider the things uh, that are involved in this communion memorial, this thing that we've called communion based on what the Lord himself has presented to us in the word. Um, so we're familiar with this statement that Jesus made, and we're familiar with what Paul says in repeating what Jesus said uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians. But uh, we can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we can recall, I'm going to grab a Kleenex here we can recall what took place on this night, this night that Jesus spent together with his disciples, all 12 of them. We understand that he taught them that night. We understand that he prayed with them that night. He washed their feet. He ate with them that night, shared a meal with them, and did more. And in this opening passage, we see him posting an invitation to them. Now, he says it in a rather direct and a, a, almost a commandment type way. But it's an invitation, uh, inviting them to a special communion with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now we understand that we've all, as children of God, partaken of that well, bread of life that we've considered Jesus to be, even recently, considered and reconsidered that statement that he says that he is the bread of life. He is that, that manna that once you partake of, well, you don't hunger anymore. It doesn't mean that we don't go on and continue to try to partake of that manna and continue to partake of that bread of life. But that being said, we have taken of that bread. We have tasted that the Lord is gracious if you have Jesus within. We have seen that the Lord is good and shared in his salvation and so on. We understand this. And this blessing here of communion here, it's more than just having dinner. It's more than just tasting of the bread of life. Uh, our text that we just read expresses the thought that it's more than just, more than just a meal, this communion 
Uh, If you look there back in Matthew 26 and verse 26, what does it say there? It says that as they were eating, so they were already in in full swing in that meal. They were together and they were were eating dinner, uh, partaking together. And as they were eating, Jesus then took bread, blessed it and broke it and did something further, called them to something further. Communion, uh, this word that's translated communion, it means fellowship, it means sharing, it means to a certain extent communicating one with another, it means speaking back and forth and partaking back and forth with another, to do so together, to participate in something, to share around something and, and have a shared fellowship, a communion there. Uh, I have a front row seat when everyone comes through and, and partakes of this memorial that we have and you know, I watch the little ones that aren't yet old enough. And they wonder, how come they can't share? <laughs> you know, it always makes me laugh. They're always looking and they just like, you know, how come I can't have a little yummy there? You know, and they don't recognize it. You know, to them, it is just a little snack time. and It's a cute little cup. And well, that's got to be a big cookie that's up there, you know, and so it has to be pretty tasty and that sort of thing. It's interesting to watch them. Uh, it can be even entertaining. So oftentimes, if it's too entertaining, I'll avert my my you know, my eyes, so that I don't watch them. Uh, But oftentimes, I will see them there and, and, you know, recognize that they just don't get that there's something more there than just snack time here. Jesus called these ones in this moment to something more than just a meal, more than just snack time, as it were. As they were eating, he said, I'm going to take you further, and I want you to share, to take fellowship, to commune with me. In my broken body. I want you to share with me in my shed blood. It was an invitation of something further. More than just tasting that the Lord is gracious. Tasting of his goodness. It was certainly. uh, He was suggesting a sharing and a fellowship. A communion. In his redemption certainly. He was inviting them to share in the blessings that come with walking a walk of faith. He was inviting them to share in the riches that come with partaking with him in his sufferings. He was inviting them to share in the peace that comes with having the Lord Jesus side by side, shoulder to shoulder as we walk that walk of faith. He invited them to share in the joy of understanding what victory is and victory after victory after victory as we walk by faith. That's what he was doing as he said, I want to take this farther, not just eating, but I'm going to break this. This is my body. This is what's coming. And it means something. It means something further. Now we understand that the twelve didn't fully grasp everything that the Lord was inviting them to share in in that moment. They didn't fully get a lot of different things. Well, Jesus walked this earth and it took some time and it took the Holy Spirit certainly coming later on after he was departed for them to have the full capability of understanding those things we understand. But even so, as my mind oftentimes does, I started thinking about some things as I considered the Lord Uh, while they were eating, breaking the bread and blessing that cup and offering them an invitation uh, to come and partake of that. Can you imagine if any of those ones had said to him in the moment, no thanks, (laughs) I'm good. I'm just going to keep eating what I have here. Let Let me put it to you this way. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And Andrew says, you know, I'm good. I'm full right now. Or John says, no, I'm I'm really done. Or just pass. 
You know, it sounds like a joke, and of course I am kind of joking. Uh, Mark certainly makes plain his record of this, of what took place. That didn't happen. No one passed on it. It says, then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. Not one of them said, no, I'm good, Jesus. I'm, I'm fine. No, I don't need anything more here. Uh, but what if? What if they had declined, and one of them said, who was one of them that sat there? One of the twelve was indeed the betrayer, yes? Even he didn't say, Mm-mm, I'm good. How come? Because even, even in his unsaved situation, even in his own context of fully intending to betray the Lord Jesus, not coming in faith, even then, what did he not want to do? Don't look at me. <laughs> I don't, he didn't want to bring any spotlight on him. And if someone had said, no, thank you, I don't want the cup. I don't, I, you know, I don't want any bread. I don't want any part of this. Number one, it would have been awkward. It would have been an awkward situation. Mm-mm. Everyone would have gone, what's wrong with you? You've ever, ever been in a place where overall it was kind of a jovial time and someone walked in and you're like, everything, the whole air came out of the room. Maybe they just came in and just, you know, Debbie downered the whole situation and it was like, Ugh, you know, go someplace else, you know, or just made things awkward, just said the wrong thing or laughed too loud or told the stupid joke or, or, or something else that just made everyone just cringe, Right. Not feeling right. If someone said, no, Jesus, I don't want your, your body bread, what? I can sit and mock it all the time. And it's that foolish. It's that silly. And no one would have done it. No one did do it. They all partook of it. But I think to myself, what if they had declined? You invite somebody, saints. You invite, invite somebody. And when they say no to whatever it might be. Well, you know, when you're a kid, you know, the birthday party invitations go out. And perhaps you've experienced it. I do. I did. I, I don't anymore. <laughs> no kids invite me to their birthday parties. I what, what in the world. Uh, birthday party invitations would go out, you know, and, and, well, someone would say, my mom made me invite you. Everyone gets to be invited. You know, it feels really good, doesn't it? Conversely, someone says, here's my birthday party invitation. We're going to this place or that place or everyone's invited over this Saturday. And no one shows up. You know how that is, perhaps. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. We didn't have birthday parties when I was a kid. I didn't have too many when I was a kid. But I know of kids who threw parties, even up into high school. And no one showed up. That's a heartbreaking thing, man. Uh, To post an invite. Because you want to. You want to have someone there. Yeah, It's a heartbreaking thing. Lots of 80s movies were made of such things back in the day. Uh, When you get older... It's not as overt, I guess. It's not as obvious. Most of the time you're not going to say, mm, not coming over, you know, or be snarky like that. But when you invite someone to something and they turn you down, it can hurt your feelings. Now, it doesn't, just because someone turns down an invite doesn't mean that there's immediately fault on the part of the person who turns it down. It might have a completely valid reason. It might have a completely justified and indeed even godly if it comes down to that sort of thing. But it can still hurt your feelings a little bit if you were the one that invited and perhaps you don't understand all the circumstances behind it. We're flesh. We're human. It can hurt our feelings. Like I said, even Judas didn't decline that invitation. Yeah, okay, I'll take that bread. I'll take that blood. Not the spiritual kind, but even he didn't turn Jesus down in the moment. Even if they didn't fully understand it. Jesus had proven himself to that point. Well, that he deserved 
the benefit of the doubt of what he was saying here. This is my broken body. This is my blood. Partake of it. You remember when he talked about him, his body being the bread of life, people said, this is difficult to understand. This is, that's, that's weird. My grandma used to hear something, she'd go, that's trashy. You know, just, just went away from him. I'm not saying Jesus was trashy, but they would have thought to themselves, that's really bizarre what you're talking about. It's not something that, something that sits right. These ones might not have understood it, but even to Judas, he wasn't going to rock the boat, as it were. Because Jesus held the benefit of the doubt, certainly, to those ones who believed him to be the Christ, even if they didn't understand it. Now, we understand that even today, while Jesus isn't standing before us, breaking a loaf of bread and putting a cup before us, albeit we do have these memorials here, he continues to invite, well, all people to fellowship with him. He continues to invite all people to communion, and not just at the table. You understand, he puts out a number of different invitations, and people decline him every single day, continually, oftentimes. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.21, invitation to taste and see that he is good, to recognize the blessing that is salvation and redemption in the Lord Jesus, declined. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that... They will not hear me, says the Lord. For generations, people have rejected the Lord Jesus' offer for salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's so easy, so easy to merely believe with the heart and say with the mouth that he is Savior. (laughs) People deny it. Deny it, moment by moment. Uh, generations people have denied that invitation. It's, it's a sad thing. Acts chapter 26 and verse 28, I oftentimes say it's one of the saddest pieces of Scripture that are out there. I don't know if he said it snarky or, or not, if he had a measure of sincerity. When Paul gave his testimony to King Agrippa, and Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. It might have been, you almost persuade me to become a Christian, Paul, after he dismissed what Paul had said. Or he might have said... Almost. Almost. Which one's sadder? Both of them still result in the same. Dismissing the Lord Jesus and his invitation to eternal life. Whether it was snarky or, or just really close, just not enough. Either way, whether it was scornful or whether it was genuine, Agrippa came up short, at least in that moment, didn't he? And it's a sad verse. Jesus knocks and he continues to knock and people continue to dismiss that knock despite irrefutable evidence, irrefutable testimony, irrefutable evidence to the actuality of the Lord God, the actuality of an empty tomb, the actuality, the presented recorded history of Jesus and his desire to save all mankind. He knocks and people refuse. Uh, Jesus knew that and he knows it still. He told those ones back in John 15 and verse 24. I can almost hear his tone of voice here, but I'm not going to put any inflection on it, but I hear it in my own mind. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. The evidence was there when Jesus was here. The evidence was there with every lame man made to walk, with every blind 
person made to see with every miracle that he did. If I had done, not done these works among them, uh, you know, if, if they wouldn't have anything that I would fault them with. But you know what he's saying? I did all these works among them. The evidence was laid out for them. So I have no other recourse than to look at them and say, I gave you everything here. I gave you what others would have, well, what others dreamed to have seen. So what can I say? You hated both me and my father. And that elicits a certain measure of repercussions, doesn't it? Consequences, not by the Lord's desire, but simply by what's righteous and what's good. It's a sad thing for all involved there. Jesus himself grieves. I'm confident of that. We had in our Sunday school this morning that, well, that there's joy. I don't know if Scott used that one, but it's the one that I was thinking. Joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. Over one. Leaving behind the 99 to go after the one. How many of you wouldn't rejoice if that one found that one? If they're found. The Lord rejoices in those things. How does he feel when different ones decline that invitation? And do so wholeheartedly, digging both heels solidly in and say, No, thank you. I will pass. It's more than just awkward. It's more than just difficult. It's more than just rude. It's absolutely unthinkable. And it's eternally well, it's eternally impactful on those ones. We can grieve the Spirit. Well, the Spirit belongs to Jesus. It's tied into the Father. Of course it grieves Him when those ones decline. It's a sad thing for everybody. Um, it ends up being sad for those ones who reject themselves. Certainly, however, it's not just left to the unsaved to decline the invitations that the Lord has, has for them. Uh, you can turn to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Again, a little of a bit of a sneak peek at one of these seven churches we'll be discussing here before, before long. Um, those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good often simply leave it at that taste. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I'm good. I know who you are. I'm paraphrasing and I'm certainly putting words into the mouth and you know, just kind of giving kind of an enactment of what that would look like. But isn't that what they're saying? I've tasted that you're good. I understand. I've partaken of the bread of life. I'll see you in 70 or 80 years, perhaps. I'd like to come in and eat with you. I'd like to come in and continue to commune with you. I would like to come in and continue to have this fellowship. I'm inviting you to invite me in. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what Jesus is saying there. And few people answer the door when he continues to knock. You know he's speaking to one of the churches there, those ones who have been given opportunity to believe. And he's saying, there's more. Commune with me. I'm knocking and knocking, not just for salvation, but that we might come and we might have fellowship together. Let's have fellowship. Let's share in this. You know, few people answer the doors naturally speaking these days. I think I've mentioned it before. The door knocks and everyone's like, quiet. There are comedy skits about it. You know, the dog starts barking. We're like, yeah, Mabel, go bark louder. You know, because you want them to leave. Because what do we have? We have these phones. You know, if someone's coming over, David wants to come over. Scott wants to come over. One of my Eddie Haskell friends wants to come over. They don't just walk in, but they say, boop, boop, boop. Greg, yeah, I'm on my way over there. Uh, I thought I'd you know, swing by real fast. Mom and Dad, they'll text me first. If I hear a knock at the door and I haven't received a text, I know it's probably not someone I want to talk to. 
They want to put a new roof on my house, or they want to kill the ants that are walking on my driveway, or they, you know, they want to do, they want to tell me about the watchtower. If you know, you know. It's just one of those things. I'm not interested so much in answering the door sometimes because I know who's there. Yeah, few people answer the door to Jesus these days, and I'm not trying to be melodramatic. The Lord knocks. He doesn't text first, but he stirs the heart and says, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm here. I want to come in. I want to fellowship with you. He gives us every opportunity to stop being silly spiritually and just answer the door and invite him in and accept his invitation to fellowship. In Luke chapter 14, He makes plain that this time of invitation and this time of knocking has an expiration date. This is just one place, one of those parables that he spoke. Uh, Luke records it in Luke chapter 14 and verse 15. And it has a number of different applications here, but all of them have a similar theme. Then he said to him in Luke 14 and verse 15, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. This is easy to understand. I appreciate the parables that he puts out there that are... Really simple, that anyone can get, even on a very shallow level. He sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. <laughs> and you know what? You know, those people who have experienced this sort of thing, you know when people are making excuses oftentimes. And we're human. We're natural. So you want to finally get together for lunch? Uh, you know what? I think that I've got something. Whatever, man. You know. You can see through it. How about the Son of God? You think he gets it? Yeah. He knew who was, well, who knew him, who believed him, who trusted him, who would betray him. He knew all those things. And he hasn't lost that understanding now that he's at the right hand of the Father, certainly. They all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported the things to his master. This sounds really kind of vaguely familiar to that passage in Deuteronomy 20 this morning, if you remember. Right? Where he said, we're going to war. Don't be fearful. You know, if you've got other commitments, go. What's, what's the difference? I think that these do share in that light, right? He gives us the opportunity not to go. Not to go and be preoccupied by different preoccupations. He gives us the opportunity and the option to accept His invitation and put those things aside. Get square and correct with the Almighty God so that He might bless those things for us ongoing. We see it here. That servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. And bring in here the poor. And the maimed. And the lame. And the blind. And everybody else who nobody wants. Yeah, man, that hits me in the feels. You know why? Because I was lame. You were blind. You were poor. You don't believe it? Read the scripture. Understand who you were. The lame and the blind and the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. Still, there's room. The potential for the abundance of his blessing is more than we can understand. There's always room until this world comes to an end. The master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Do you think the Lord doesn't want to 
a full house. His city packed wall to wall. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper now. This parable certainly has, like I said, a number of different applications. You can look at it definitely from the perspective of the unbelieving who refuses to answer that invitation to salvation. There is that application there. Here I am. I I am here for you. You're invited to this. No, have me excused. I've got something else. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. I don't believe it, whatever the case might be. There's the application to the people of Israel. You know, those ones that the Lord set aside and said, you are my people. I want to do a great work in you. I want to do a great work in you. I am, you are my people and I want to be your God. And even to this day, they have not accepted as a corporate nation. Jesus is their Messiah. How long will that go on? Well, until the end of the age, right? And then the Lord says, I'm going to demonstrate who I am to you and you're going to see it, some of you. It has the application to this church, not just grace community, but the body of Christ who refuse to prepare for that invitation to that marriage supper that he has called us to. Invited us not just to come in and sit in a corner, but to come all the way to the head of the table. There's that application as well. Jesus has invited all to share in fellowship with Him. All to share in eternal communion with Him. Close, close fellowship. And many, many times, those invitations have been, are, and will be dismissed, unaccepted, declined. Take Eat, this is my body, he says in Matthew 26, 26. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. And again, not one of them said, No, thank you. It would have been awkward at the very least. Saints, we need to take care of ourselves. We can't control what other people do, can we? We can't control what the believer, what the unbeliever does. We don't. We can share, we can speak, we can give a testimony, we can give repeated witness, we can give evidence, we can bring the word, and we can, we can badger, we can Bible thump right over the head if we choose to, but we can't make anyone believe, we can't make God's people believe stronger, we can't make their faith deeper, we can't do anything for them. What we can do is control what we do. What we can do is control those invitations that we accept. What we can do is not grieve the Spirit of God. We know we've already eaten a meal with Him. We understand that we have all partaken of that one bread, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians ten seventeen. We, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. We have all tasted and seen that He is good. We have all partaken of that. We are all children of God in the lineage, accepted up in the elect. Well, as his body, as his church, have you tasted and seen that he is good? Well, then what do you expect to receive when you hear, again, more goodness? More goodness, more abundance, more joy, all of those things. Now, the problem is that oftentimes when he knocks on the door and you go and answer him, he says, come with me. Or he says, let's dine together here and... You have to go use your imagination a little bit, but oftentimes his fellowship comes in the most horrifying of places. 
the most uncomfortable of situations, the most painful, naturally speaking. When the Lord says, I want to fellowship with you, but it's going to be in the midst of a furnace heated seven times. Lord, that sounds scary to me. That sounds difficult to me. Well, it is. (laughs) But guess what? I'm there in the midst with you. Right? Are they just Bible stories to us? Is it just children's sayings? When Daniel sat in the den of lions, when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, was it just something just to get a point across? Was it Aesop sharing a fable with us so that we might get the moral of things? Or did Daniel sit in the midst of just any number of big cats looking to feast on the next piece of meat that was before them? I believe with all my heart, literal, literal lions. And man, angel closed his mouth. Close their mouths. He didn't close their mouths when those other ones refused the invitation to believe in the Almighty God. Daniel was taken out of that and they were eaten before they struck the floor. Listen, saints. There are repercussions, certainly, eternally, for those ones who decline the invitation to become a child of God. But there's certain loss for those ones who are children of God who have tasted and seen that He is good and somehow aren't willing to fellowship with Him, join Him in communion, wherever that table might be set by the Lord Jesus. Don't let that be you. May that not be us. We need only remember, continually accept His fellowship. If He says, I'm breaking bread. My cup is here for you to partake of. Even now in this moment, over there, where you don't want to go, go meet Him over there. Go meet Him over there. He hasn't just earned the benefit of the doubt that we wouldn't insult him, that we wouldn't be make things awkward. You know, that's, that's a poor reason to simply say, well, okay, I'll partake with you. No, that's not how it is. He has genuinely earned our trust, hasn't he? Hasn't he demonstrated to us with every piece of evidence that he gave those ones when he walked in Judea and Capernaum and all of those different places, when he walked all the hills of Galilee and did all those miracles before them? We have that recorded here. And the Holy Spirit speaks the truth of those things to me on the daily. Whenever I come to Him and I need Him to reinforce that to me, He does it. He does it for me and He reminds me that I'm His. And He reminds me that He wants to fellowship and commune with me. Not just to benefit the doubt. I'm not going to make things awkward. So I'll, I'll step that way here shortly. No, it's where do you want to go? I'm there. Because I want that communion with you. He's earned that. He's earned that we satisfy Proverbs 3, 5, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, no matter what the situation might be, no matter what the circumstances might be, no no matter how difficult or unfathomable the obstacle might seem. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths, whatever those paths might be and wherever they might go. We, like the twelve before us, are prone to confusion. We have flesh just as they did. We're prone to be hesitant when the Lord calls us to fellowship with Him in places that we wouldn't want to fellowship with Him. But instead of saying, pass, let's trust Him and let's serve Him. And let's rejoice in Him and the fact that He wants to even fellowship with us and accept His invitation to communion at every opportunity, saints. Tonight, 
Yes, it's just a cracker. Yes, to the kids, it's nothing more than snack time. But it's something more. It's a representation of those invitations that the Lord Jesus makes to us daily. Daily to recall in the difficulties. You're struggling, you're suffering, you're hurting. This is something you have to deal with. My body was broken for that. My blood was shed so that you might partake with me in that situation. Do not lose sight of the fact that the Lord Jesus is inviting you to commune with him because he wants you to commune with him. He wants fellowship with you. So tonight, come and examine yourself. Examine your situation before the Lord, your relationship with him even now. And whatever invitation he is giving you this evening, has been given you, that you might want to push off or that you might want to say, I'm full, if that be your situation, saints, whatever invitation he has posed to you tonight, man, you accept it, child of God. You accept that invitation and fellowship with the Lord today and always.